Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. I told you the Browns were going to the Super Bowl. This time when the intro runs, we're on the other end of it. Hi, how are you? It is Tutel and Nuanas. It is 1029 ESPN Radio. It is SWX Montana Television, and it is Friday, my friends. Great to be with you on this fantastic last day of the week. Hope you are well as we head into the weekend, a weekend which promises rain, which promises cleaner air. I hope, we all hope, that gives me optimism trying to start off on a high note. I got another, several high notes, in fact, to start off on with you. First of all, if you want to get involved, you want to be part of the show, we welcome you here. 361-3688, 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. You can text that phone number as well, 361-3688. Interact with us, talk to us. What is your number one thing you're watching this weekend? There's a whole bunch going on. We got the NHL Stanley Cup final is set. Okay, I don't. I got to see when that starts. In fact, actually, but the uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning finish off the New York Islanders in six last night. So the Stanley Cup final is coming. We have the Eastern and West, Western Conference finals uh, in the uh, in the NBA. 
NFL Week 2, college football, the biggest week of college football to date this weekend, and the U.S. Open. So there is a ton going on. So 361-3688, what's the number one thing that you are watching this weekend? We'll get into all of that. We're going to open with the biggest questions of the weekend. Colt just put together some questions that uh, you know I think are, are very interesting to debate about a variety of these things. We'll go through them. Every Friday we do this around here, 12 for the 12s. The Seattle Seahawks, a huge game on Sunday night against the New England Patriots. That is in CenturyLink Field, and uh, we're looking forward to broadcasting that one for you here on ESPN Radio again all year. Your Seattle Seahawks affiliate ESPN Radio. We will have Mike Dugar, the uh, Seattle beat writer, uh, the Seahawks beat writer for The Athletic, on with us at the bottom of the hour. We will also, at the top of the hour, hear from all three Garden City AA head football coaches, high school head football coaches, Mick Morris, Matt Johnson, and Dane Oliver. All three uh, teams... Uh, in action, they went two and one last week, and that was that's the best case scenario for the Missoula schools because we are open with a cross town game, uh, Big Sky and Hellgate. But the uh, Missoula schools playing both Helena schools and then Kalispell Flathead. That's uh, what's on the docket uh, this week at Hellgate on the one playing Kalispell on the road there. So we will get into uh, all of that. Also Friday, chick who doesn't know sports going to have a little fun with our friend Carolyn and set you up for the weekend. So there you go. That is the show today. On Friday, we like to do this off the top, set everything up right, and take a quick moment and make sure that we are hydrated and make sure that we are energized with Florence Coffee. It's our Florence Coffee Company coffee break. We appreciate them for bringing this to us each and every week. Colto, you got your iced Americano per usual over there. I got myself an iced latte, but you know what? It's the season. It's the season, and it's on over there. The orange starts to pop up everywhere pumpkin oh my god it's there let's rock and roll we got I encourage the pumpkin. all our listeners to try the pumpkin i encourage you to never do that again don't why don't you <clears> just don't me. admit it to me let me live my life coulter let me live my you're, life you live your you life you can totally live your life i'm gonna I, have I just don't want to hear about your basic tendencies i, I love the pumpkin it is it's it's it is twofold. It's good in its own right but it's also an introduction to the season and i'm telling you right now they have unveiled pumpkin spice pumpkin flavoring over at florence coffee company boys and girls it's not fall yet but it's coming and you can get yourself into the mood into the season with the florence coffee company there's a kiosk near you right now they sponsor the florence coffee company coffee break each and every friday afternoon you can stay up late Right, you can sleep in. It's the weekend. Get yourself a coffee. Have yourself a fine afternoon right now from the Florence Coffee Company. All right, Coulter, bunch of stuff to get to today. Uh, you have a, a, a great list of questions. I don't know if we're going to get through all of these the way we bloviate and carry on all the time. But, but I had nothing today, so we can get through as many questions as you want. Okay, well let's let's start uh, with this first of all, and this is a great observation by you, but. It's September, the weekend of the September the 20th, right? The 19th and 20th this weekend. We got NHL final. We got NBA conference finals. We got week two of the NFL. We got week three of college football. We got the U.S. Open happening as a golf major. And we are about, what, eight, ten games away from the end of the Major League Baseball 60-game sprint season. 
This has never happened before. And again, I mean, for all of the negative and all of the the questions and all of the stress, for lack of a better word, that has gone on with sports this last six months or so, it is a remarkable time that we all of a sudden find ourselves in in this very weekend, which is why we want to know what is it that you're watching this weekend? What are you most most keyed into? But it's bizarre, and it's also ironic. If we, you know, we we like to look for silver linings, do we not, Coulter? We try. All right. No one's happy. There isn't Big Sky Conference football. Okay. The two of us, the you know, the least of which we there. There's this is just so much fun to cover the cats, to cover the Grizz, to be at games, to see what's going on. It's intriguing. It's it's remarkable, and it's it's just a complete blast. And it sucks that it ain't happening. That said. If you ever needed a little bit of free time to stay on top of everything else in the world that's going on, you have it for once in your life to sit here and take a look at some of these games and uh, and 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 pay attention to you know fifteen hours of golf over the course of the weekend while you splice in a couple NBA games, maybe an MLB game, and some hockey. So I mean, it's just great. If I don't win at least one of the five fantasy leagues I'm in this year, I'm never playing fantasy football again. That's how much extra time that we finally have. Now I've covered. We're, I mean, we're. I'm delved into. I'm all in on high school football in Montana. Right. I've always loved high school football in Montana, yeah. and yeah. I, you know, I used to work as a prep reporter at the Missoulian, and I also uh, was a sports editor at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. And when you're in that kind of stuff, like we we used to have this program. I don't know if they still have it now, but it's called Agate Share, and everybody would download and upload their box scores to this central filing system. And so you're now you're working with a bunch of different sports writers around the state. It's a cool kind of little communal thing, and you can say, hey, you know, guy in Butte, do you have the Butte? Bozeman score mm, or whatever. Right, right. And then they upload the box score. And so you're reading every box score in the state every single weekend. So you you just can't help but just be completely engulfed in it. But ever since I got out of newspapers, I still loved high school football. Obviously covered recruiting in Montana in high school at a high level, uh, I guess at a in-depth level. And uh, But I have never been into it. Level. I've never been into it at this level since I left the newspaper wait, well, industry. Wait, and I that's mean, super fun. You, you're not going to go to games you know, every weekend in terms of covering them in pol- in person. But you did last weekend. You called yep. a game down in Florence. Yep. And you and I anticipate throughout the course of this year when when we're able to, when the, the allowances are there for, for maybe members of the media to be in particular places, to actually go and in person and, and, and see these kids play. Because it's it's a different deal when you're talking about the individuals and, and – um, the you know the, the the stars and there's a lot of kids that we know and there's a bunch of kids. This is the great thing about high school that we don't know totally. and to be able to see them and you've you've gone to games and gone, boys and girls, pump your brakes. This kid at this school is headed somewhere, you know, and that that's super fun. It is super fun. And the other thing that I always think is so fun about Montana, particularly, is there is there's a couple sports where just being in higher population areas or having better equipment or, you know, different things like that really cater to accelerated development in those sports. But by and large, the majority of sports, particularly football and basketball in Montana, mm-hmm. the size of the school is almost irrelevant in terms of the quality of athletes. You might not have the same depth, but dudes that are the best players in class C are just straight good. Class B, just straight good. Like, I watched yeah. a Class B game last weekend. Some of the best guys would play at all, all the Missoula schools. They would be just fine. They would start at every Missoula school. So, because it's all rural at the end of the day, right? I mean, even Missoula is a rural place at the end of the day. And so, the, I love that part, too, because you want to say, oh, man, I'm going to this double-A showdown. 
But if you go to any sort of showdown, mm-hmm. Dylan Hamilton tonight in the Valley, that's going to be a great game. Big Fork Florence up in, up in the Flathead, that's going to be a great game. You're going to see great athletes all the way across the board. Um, I want to get into this basketball thing, but I just want to point out something quickly, quickly from the U.S. Open, okay? Yesterday at the end, of, at the close of business, 20 players were under par. Made the USGA mad. Sure did. And Mother Nature, there's a little wind blowing. Yeah. Today... As of right now, there are six players that are left under par, and of those six, only one of them, that being Bryson DeChambeau, was actually under par today. Yeah. The only other player... How he got there was ridiculous, too. Did you see it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 390-yard drive. Yeah, and then yeah. he's, he's laces a pitching wedge, like 175, six feet. So the, on, the only other player... This is crazy, though, too. This just highlights the point. The only other player on the board that went under par today was Bubba Watson... Wow. One under. You know how many positions he jumped going one under? 46. Yeah. He jumped up 46 spots. He's sitting there tied for 11th at one over par on the day. So, anyway, it's uh, it's real. It's real out there at Wingfoot. Let's talk some basketball. York tonight, by the way, 7 o'clock, we'll have it for you right here on ESPN. Game one of the Western Conference Finals. And after we have sort of swept the Clippers out of our you know collective consciousness now and we can focus on what we actually have, I am thrilled about this matchup between the Nuggets and the Lakers. I think it's going to be great. I'm pumped up to watch it. Your question, does LeBron James have another gear? You watch LeBron James specifically as closely as just about anybody out there. Does he? Man, I think that it's uh, – we talk about this all the time with the development of college athletes and college football teams. It's the – human nature is to assume that everything always grows inevitably. And that's not necessarily true. Certainly. Things in life are so circular, cyclical. Yeah. Not everything gets better all the time. You don't just – you might be as good as you're ever going to be as a college athlete when you're a freshman. You, there's no guarantee that – everybody always says, if this guy keeps developing at this rate, he's going to be the greatest player in program history. It hardly ever actually works like that. It's fun to have the optimism within it, and that's part of our nature as humans, just being inherently optimistic. But I think that broadly the cliche is, well, of course LeBron James is going to be in the Final Four of the NBA Finals. But LeBron, I'm not going to say his immortality is in any sort of doubt, but last year, the Lakers missed the playoffs. LeBron James Mm -hmm. missed a substantial portion of the season for the first time in his career with a bad growing. A lot of people, would, uh, you know, the, the, the skeptics would say he shut it down on purpose because he knew the team sucked and he just wanted to have it be a mutually, uh, sinking ship all the way into the off season. So then they can make a run at Anthony Davis, regardless the Lakers are back in the playoffs. The Lakers have not been in the Western Conference Finals in close to a decade. They missed the playoffs six years in a row. They had one of the longest playoff droughts of any franchise in the NBA. That's unconscionable considering the history that they had before that last six-year yeah. drought. But we're so used to it that we're numb to it. But LeBron James is back in the Conference Finals now. Los Angeles Lakers are back in the Conference Finals now. I think that what we've seen in the bubble is that LeBron James is still one of, if not the best players in the league. He's one of, if not the best playoff players in the league, in the history of the league. And the Lakers are a very flawed team, with the exception of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I'm so intrigued to see the matchup because LeBron has had to overcome so many different foes, so many different obstacles. At first it was the Pistons, then it was the Celtics. You know, then the Mavs came out of nowhere and bit him late. And then the Spurs, you know, the savvy veterans got him in the finals. And then it was this epic 
five act opus with the Warriors. It's been so long since he had actually, in fact, you could say it's been never that LeBron James was the gray bearded veteran trying to fight off the plucky underdog team of young guys. And now we have that. It's going to, because of the matchups in this series, I think the Lakers, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are good enough to beat the Denver Nuggets, period. But because of the matchups in this series, it's going to take LeBron James and Anthony Davis' best effort for that to happen. One thing that has occurred to me in, in watching LeBron James and his 17th season in the NBA, I realize, okay, yeah, of course he came out as a, a high schooler, and so he's still relatively young. But when you talk about the the amount of games played, the miles as it were, I mean, it's a remarkable duration that he's done this. When you look at a guy like Vince Carter, who's never been for a day LeBron James. But well, was no a, one has. But of course, but was a great, great player. He was great. But there were defined iterations of Vince Carter as a basketball player in his career. You know, when he first broke into the league, he was just the wow level of athleticism that was just, I mean, he could just jump higher and get places that nobody else could get. Then he added elements of shooting to his game and sort of rounded himself out was was an absolute you know all-star great great NBA player and then later on in his career became a tremendous shooter even though he wasn't driving the lane the way that he once did and towards the end he was really a role-playing shooter veteran presence type of locker room guy even Kobe Bryant over the course of his career he got better and better and better but also had to adjust his game to fit what he was capable of LeBron James, 17 years in, can do every single thing he could do the first day he stepped onto an NBA floor. In fact, better. But that's what I'm going to say. And has added all the elements that you you add as you get older, but hasn't lost any of the things or had to change anything because because he's losing some level of, of physical capability. And that is also stunning. We've never seen an athlete that's put on the size, weight, and mass LeBron James put on and not sacrificed one ounce of explosiveness. He, in fact, can jump just as high as when he came in the NBA. He lands better because he's stronger. He's more durable because he's stronger. I mean, the guy is such a physical marvel. When you watch his workout videos, there's no one on the planet that's trying to have like the strongest IT band in the world except LeBron James. He literally works out every element of his physique from head to toe, so that he's anatomically perfect. He has made (laughs) him... No, but for real, though, he's made himself into a science experiment. Every single person that lifts weights... So is Bryson DeChambeau. No, but there's a a complete difference, though. Well, of course there is. Because one's a Frankenstein flawed experiment. Truly, though, anybody that's ever lifted weights, there's, there's lifts you like more, lifts you like less, lifts you do more, lifts you do less. You have muscle disproportionality, and that leads to injury at some point, no matter how lead an athlete you are. LeBron has made himself into a perfectly symmetrical person so that he has no muscle disproportionality. There is no... My right hamstring is not equipped to have the to handle the force of my quad, my cap. There's none of that exists. That's insane. He he is like no one else we've ever seen before. But that said, I think this is going to be a way tougher task than any than most people think this is going to be for the Lakers because because two things. One one, Jamal Murray's riding one of the great hot streaks in NBA playoff history. The Clippers slapped him down and he came all the way back mm-hmm. and led them to that game seven victory. But the other thing is we talk about the hype and the emotion and the drama and some of these guys being divas and you know where's this guy's head at so much of what these NBA superstars is all about 
is above the shoulders. Not 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 your body, it's your mind. I think the guy that's maybe the most impervious player to pressure and hype in the entire league is is Jokic, man. I don't think he even pays attention to it. I don't even think he's even considered paying attention to it. it, it, There is a very different um, sort of mentality and mode about it, which seems like it would be beneficial for for a lot of those guys. When I say that, I'm talking about, like, this is, it is... Jokic, but it's it's sort of like the Eastern Bloc players have a it little el- have an element of just coolness it about is. them, right? But it also seems like Jokic is forty or something. Like his right. level yes. of wisdom is yes. crazy. LeBron does his whole. I don't. He deletes. So seems media. like he's forty because he can't walk. Le- <laughs> LeBron though. LeBron does his whole cleanse himself of of the noise. Yeah. No social media. Yeah. Doesn't engage in media. You see all the famous pictures of him reading books before games. Yeah. But he's making a conscious choice to not engage in it. I don't even think Jokic has ever even considered it. Yeah. If you said, what is the American media's opinion of you? He'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that gives a huge advantage. I want to take you back to game one of the first playoff series of the Portland Trailblazers-Lakers series when Portland won and exposed the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers came roaring back and won four straight and basically easily won the series. Uh, there was injuries in there. Obviously, Damian Lillard went out for the for the last game and a half of that series. Zach Collins uh, did not play in the series. What I'm saying though is, this Los Angeles Lakers team, because they are where we assume they would get, it's easy to go. Yeah, this is this is the team to beat, and they are the team to beat. They're the team to beat. There's no question. They're not a perfect team. In fact, they're far from a perfect team. They just have two players that are just better than everybody else. Far better than everybody else. Especially together. Uh, Certainly. But that doesn't mean that especially a team that I think is as smart, both in preparation and in execution, as the the Denver Nuggets seem to me to be, that they are not going to find ways to exploit what are very real and legitimate weaknesses in this basketball team. And the Nuggets are going to win some games in this series. I think I'll probably take the Lakers in six. But uh, there is there is not much in this series that would really surprise me. A sweep in either direction would. Yeah. But uh, but but not much beyond that would really really surprise me because I have I have a ton of belief in and respect for what the Nuggets are. So much so that that it makes this to me a very competitive series. Celtics seat. We got to talk about it for a second. Okay. The Celtics s- s- seemed to. Assume control of that game last night. Didn't seem to. They did. They they were in complete control of that basketball. And sometimes when things go like this, like a young team like the Heat, they're hitting a wall. So now the Celtics, the the, the balance of the order is returning to normal. No, the Celtics were having to execute at their perfect level to to assume control of that game. I mean, they're running beautiful ball screens for Kemba. He's hitting big shots. Celtics are balling, and the Heat are not fading. But my God, the Heat are tough. They're the toughest team I can remember in the NBA in, in, in a minute, man. They are like a 90s team. Well, and they tr- they switched into a zone, and they just kept doing it because there was no answer from Boston to it. Tim Legler made a great point on Scott Van Pelt. He said, the Miami Heat played zone this regular season more than any other team in the NBA. They played zone, I think, 32% of the time. That's a huge number for an NBA team. Mm. They did not play one second of zone the first two rounds of the playoffs. Why? Waiting for waiting for their matchup with Boston to drop. They're waiting for their matchup with Milwaukee. Really? I guess, yeah. well, I guess they use a little bit late in Milwaukee, but they didn't use it at all. I guess Legler said they didn't use it at all in the bubble until late against the Bucks. 
But regardless, they were wanted to they wanted to save it. They they wanted to keep whatever it is off film, and now they're unleashing it on the Celtics. And you can tell it's creating frustrations. I got to ask you though, yeah. the story coming out of this game is. First of all, the Miami Heat have won 10 out of 11 playoff games now, and they're up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Nobody had that. Nobody. No. But the story after the game was all about the Celtics yeah. and the blow-up in the locker room and this alleged screaming match and throwing of items between Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. I have thoughts on what I think of it. What do you think of it? Nothing. Me neither. I, I, yeah. I thought it was the biggest non-story ever. Like, Marcus Smart's mad that they blew a lead and then freaked out on the team in the locker room. Shocking! Oh, I, that's the, if it, that didn't happen, that would be a story. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Absolutely. I mean, th- th- this is a game that Boston had and believed that they were absolutely rolling toward, and the, the the it wasn't like a gradual slip. The thing got flipped completely on its head, and they had they they just there was it was just over. It was done, and there was a moment when it was done too. By the way, it was when Jimmy Butler. Tips a ball, going the other way, and somehow remarkably leaps and saves the ball on a deliberate behind the back pass because he had to to save it that way. Curls out of bounds after he saved the ball, runs into gets gets the pass and dunks it home. And that fast break defensive play save flush, and it that was it. I go, oh my goodness! After having been up how much, 15, 16 points, Boston in the in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they're, I think they were only down like three or four at that particular moment, but it had been a 20-point swing, and you could just see, oh, no, they, these are the things that happen when the, this is the team that's going to win today. And it was it was a, a remarkable turn of events. And the heat, the, here's the, the beauty of the heat. I understand that, that all the basketball people are on board with the heat and the way they do it and mm-hmm, the toughness mm-hmm, they show and the defense mm-hmm, that they have mm-hmm, and the coach mm-hmm. that they have and all of that stuff. And yet, as a fan, you sit here and you go, well, they couldn't possibly do it again. They can't go 11 out of 12. They can't go 12 out of 13. But you were going to say they can't go 6 out of 7 in the second round against the Bucks. They totally. couldn't go 8 out of 9 and beat Milwaukee in 5. And they did. And so they keep stringing you along to make you, you know, because you can't believe in this team. And yet they keep, they keep putting it in your face. I just don't really know if we've ever had a team like this in the fact that so often when you're breaking down or projecting the NBA, you're saying, okay, well, these the, the Nuggets have these two stars. The Lakers have these two stars. The Celtics have these multiple all-stars. And the, the, the Heat don't have the resume, but that's only because of circumstance. It's because people forgot about Jimmy Butler. He was second-team All-NBA three years ago. He's still the same guy. He's not even 30 yet. Gore Dragic was third-team All-NBA three years ago. He is getting a little bit older, but he still can play absolutely he can I mean he's their leading scorer in the playoffs right now yeah. and nobody knew about Bam Abajayo I mean no, Adebayo nobody knew about Bam nobody I mean and, and this isn't like oh this kid could be pretty good he was a straight up all-star this year he's a tw- top 25 point in the league right now today you're always 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 screaming to me about ro- roster construction they're, they're beautiful. And Pat Riley just does what he does. You know, he sits back there, and I think he's got the same hairstyle. And he just makes great teams. You know, he just does. And Spolstra is is also, you know, he's he's showing what he is. Because, what's, you know, Spolstra had to overcome LeBron James for so long. And and, and just the whole the whole heat the thing. circus. Totally. He gets hired as a young coach, to, and they're like, well, yeah, of course they're going to do it. 
because it's it's LeBron and it's Wade and it's Chris, you know, and on and on. It's a great point though because you can't coach your style. You can't put your imprint on it because LeBron James is one of the only guys in the history of the league where he overwhelms everything. You have mm-hmm. to play how LeBron wants to play. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah, no, he's the guy dictating what you're going to do. You do, but also like when when a young coach that nobody's ever heard of basically all of a sudden gets hired to be the head coach of that team everybody assumes the coach is along for the ride you know for sure and maybe that's true to some extent but it ain't true now and everybody is is giving up all the respect to to Eric Spolstra as they should and but it took him a lot longer than I think it's taken other coaches sure. who have the tenure and the resume that he has to be taken this like Top of the league level coach seriously, be, because of that. It's this odd thing where you win championships and you get zero credit. No doubt. In fact, you are just taken to be you know lucky to be sitting in the chair. You know, so uh, you know, good for good for him. I'm happy for him. No question. I mean, he is a Pat Riley guy. Pat Riley. Does, I thought I thought Spolster's quote today was so good. He said, "All of you media guys keep asking me about strategy and scheme." That's all fine and good. The only thing that matters for us is our disposition. Mm. It doesn't matter what I call. The trap doesn't work if we don't run it with our hair on fire. That's the whole point. I, th- I thought Pat Riley made such a great comment on Dan Levitard this morning. He said, the thing that the media doesn't give us any credit for is we don't. We might not have LeBron James. We might not have Nikolai Jokic. We might not have these things that you guys consider the best. He said, there's no question. There's no question. We're the best conditioned and mentally tough team in the NBA, and that's the only thing that matters when you're playing on a neutral court. Mm. It's a great point. Yeah. Uh, last thing here, we are going to go to uh, Mike Dugard, 12 for the 12, talk about the Seahawks and the Patriots game on Sunday. Uh, Coulter, I'm excited about this because, Coulter, you and I have been on different sides of this whole thing, and I want to hear from Mike Dugard, who, who gives us the straight goods every time. So we'll get to him here in about five minutes. But how about them Cleveland Browns? I mean, let's go one and one on their way to 15 and one, and it'll see you in the Super Bowl. That was your Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. The Cleveland, the Cincinnati Bengals defense is so bad. If the Browns would have scored even one less point than they did last night, I would have considered the the um, the performance disappointing. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals are the worst tackling defense I've seen in the NFL. I period. I uh, I I have a little tongue in cheekiness about my Super Bowl uh, pick for the Browns. I'm going to say two things. One legit, well, they're both legitimate. One is Baker Mayfield did possess the thing that we were screaming about him not possessing yesterday, and that was some swag and some fire. And he went out and he threw some really good passes, regardless of defense, and made some plays. And I give him credit for that. The other thing is. We talk a lot about the Browns' offense because they have these two great running backs, and they have Odell, and they have the number one overall pick in Baker and so forth and so on. They have Miles Garrett, who's also the number one overall pick. They have Denzel Ward, who I think was the number four overall pick in that in that same draft, who is outstanding. Different and, draft, but he was the number okay, four Okay, okay. And they still give up 30 points to Granted, a guy that you and I think both love, right? And Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe yeah, Burrow he's looks great. Have a mental breakdown if they make him throw the ball sixty-one times with the worst <laughs> offensive line in the league. The, you went. We went through the offensive lines yesterday, and they're they're he's, rated. They're the worst in the, the league. The Cincinnati Bengals were overrated at the lowest rating that they could get, which was poor. They are worse than poor. They are the worst 
worst in the league by far, and they're the one of the worst I've ever seen. And this is the same as a year ago, and I don't know how nothing happened to help them. Well, the thing is, they tried to make moves, though. I mean, they used their the number three overall pick. Uh, maybe it wasn't number three. But they used a first-round pick on a center, I think, two years ago, and they used their, their top pick, which I think was third overall, on that tackle from Alabama last year. So they have made moves they, to try to address tried. it. Those guys just aren't ready yet. I mean, it's 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 amazing. And so so, I want to give Joe Burrow some props. And I've said before, I think the the skill positions in Cincinnati are hugely underrated. I think they're absolutely outstanding. But you can't give up thirty points to that football team. Period. 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 With that offensive line, never, ever, ever. And so, Especially the Cleveland Browns can't run the ball. The Cleveland Browns winning by five. Is is nothing. It's nothing. You know, I give the I give the Bengals credit for going out there and doing what they do, but their defense is straight up bad, and their offensive line is is not pro. It's not even pro. So, you know, good for the Browns. They had to get a win that that, that they had to have. They got it. I don't have a tremendous amount of optimism for anybody that ain't the Ravens or the Steelers in the AFC North. Second hour, I got a couple more NFL questions for you, but we got to talk NFL with Mike Dugar, so we'll get out. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. Question from the text line. Mm. It's a fantasy question. Who should I start? Mm. Not me, but the texter. Raheem Mostert or Hollywood Brown? The answer... Mostert. Yeah, Mostert. Mostert's the most underrated player in fantasy football. He He's pretty underrated, and the 49ers are going to uh, rage against the Jets, and they're going to use him quite a lot, and I think he's going to score very many points. Love Hollywood Brown, but Mostert is the answer. Uh, Sutel Nuan is 1029 ESPN Radio. Love Fridays for a lot of reasons, but this is one of the big ones. It's our time... Time to do 12 for the 12s, 12 minutes for Seattle Seahawks fans as we are uh, happy to be, again, the official affiliate of the Seattle Seahawks in Western Montana. Their game is Sunday night, Sunday night football. The Seahawks playing the uh, New England Patriots, which is no question the game of the weekend in the NFL. And so once again, we are happy to welcome in Mike Dugar from The Athletic. He covers the Seahawks for The Athletic. He also hosts the Seahawks man-to-man podcast. Go listen to that. Great info there. Uh, Mike, thanks for being with us, man. Good to uh, good to talk with you again. The Seahawks, a dominant performance uh, in Atlanta last weekend. Russell Wilson, uh, pristine, 31 of 35. I don't know that the Atlanta Falcons defense is all that great, but look, man, you go 31 of 35 for four touchdowns. I don't really care who you're playing against in the NFL. That is a day to be had. What did you make of the Seahawks' first week performance? Uh, well, I, I thought it was really encouraging for Seahawks fans that uh, they had a pass-first uh, offense, and to be clear, that is what it was. Um, and that's something that it probably should have been every year since 2015, uh, you can argue. Uh, I mean, you look at the numbers, it's not just the 35 attempts, right? Dropbacks is a much more like uh, an 
illustrative uh, metric to use here. I think there was like 40 dropbacks compared to 18 designed run plays. Mm. Like that's not Seahawks football. That's like Kansas City football, right? But that's important because which team did Russell Wilson uh, use as a reference point when he was uh, detailing what type of offense he'd like to see? This was back in uh, Super Bowl week when I forget who he was on with some podcast. And he, he cited the Chiefs, right? So uh, what does week one look like? Look like the Chiefs. Um, and I think that's really important. I mean, no matter win or lose, I think that's how they should kind of get down uh, offensively. I mean, yeah, the, the Falcons suck. But, I mean, I, I challenge – go look at the other 15 games that they play the rest of the year. We should keep track on it. Let's see if any quarterback puts up that type of game against that Falcons defense. They probably won't, right, unless they play Mahomes um, so, or, or Lamar. So I think what Russ did was incredibly special, and if it continues, not necessarily the numbers, just the the philosophy, uh, to Seattle's going to have one of the best offenses in the league. I'm not even kidding. This was a narrative in the offseason, certainly let Russ cook. Everybody's been talking about it, you know, especially on the West Coast from Missoula to where you're at in Seattle. But talk doesn't always equal change, and Seattle – They've had Russell Wilson for a long time. They've never really let him loose. So even though they've talked about it, and he, and Russell Wilson has talked about it, were you yourself surprised by just the the offensive assault this, that the Seahawks let out last week? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was because uh, I, I I don't know Pete Carroll personally. I think that's an important caveat, but I do consider to know him very well and how he thinks about football. That I do have a very good understanding of. I mean, dude's written wrote a book, right? Like, he, he's giving you what he thinks. And Pete Carroll, one of the things that he stands by is, you know, kind of living and dying by what you believe in. Uh, because he has kind of learned over the course of his career being fired multiple times, in part, uh, that once you kind of change with the tide, you know, whichever way it's turning, you kind of lose who you are. And ultimately, when you're a head coach, you lose direction. And that's when you that's when you fail. When you don't know who you are and what, you, what principles you stand on and what you... Um, believe it. So for him, that's you know running the rock, playing good defense, and taking the ball away from the opponent. Right? That's that's kind of who he is. And I, I thought that at age sixty eight or whatever he was entering the season, like he's not coming off of that. Right? He's willing to do the run the rock thing until he's blue in the face. And if that if he if he gets fired, he gets fired. He wins the championship. Wins the championship. And to an extent, I can commend that. But I thought it was unnecessarily stubborn. And I don't know how the light bulb clicked. Um, maybe it was Russ calling him out publicly, or maybe Shadi had some input. I'm not entirely sure. We may never know. Uh, but to get him to this point is just stunning when you consider not uh, that Pete Carroll has uh, used this type of offensive strategy. It's the why. It's because he is afraid of fa- – he, he considers failure to be kind of uh, conforming uh, to the trends. Like that, He considers that to be failure. So for him to do this – uh, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest surprises of the whole league uh, in week one. Uh, defensively, Mike, we've talked about sort of the anonymous nature of the front four of, of the Seahawks, but Jamal Adams was everything that Seattle wanted him to be and more, and he provided pass rush. He provided backfield, uh, you know, game rupturing sorts of plays in that in that ba- in that football game. How perfectly does he as a player fit into the system that Seattle wants to run and what how big of a difference does that make for ultimately what this defense can be 
I definitely think it makes a difference, and I think he'll really make a difference. Maybe not statistically, um, but I think he'll make a difference in games where the, the other team is elite. And I think that's where Seattle has fallen in the postseason. You know, but frankly, like he probably would have made a difference in that 2018 loss to Dallas. You know, in in, in the playoffs, um, he probably would have made a difference in some of these Rams games where the Seahawks have gotten their boots just smoked um, in 2017 and in 20. Uh, 2019, last year, they got dusted in L.A. Um, so and, and even in Green Bay, like if he's on the field, you know, guarding Jimmy Graham on that third down, you know, or if he's guarding Devontae Adams in the slot or something like that on that big third down, you know, do they get off the field? Um, so I think there's going to be – those are the type of moments later in the season where I think Jamal's going to make a really big difference. I don't know if his fit is necessarily perfect for Seattle as much as just like he's so – he's one of those people that – he fits everywhere because he's really good, right? It'd be like plugging Russell Wilson into any offense or plugging Bobby Wagner into any offense or something like that. Like, if you, you put him in there, you're you're better now. It doesn't really matter what the hell you're running. You're running it with him. So I, I think it was really encouraging. Obviously, he played well uh, in week one, but I, I think we're really going to feel his impact in one of those big games, whether it's against the Niners or the Cardinals, you know, a big pass breakup. Maybe this week. Maybe him versus uh, Cam Newton. Maybe he's... He slows Cam Newton down on those uh, short yardage situations to get the defense off the field. That's where Jamal is going to have his biggest impact. I mean, because quite frankly, anyone can beat up a, a, on the Falcons. The Falcons are really, really, really bad. Uh, and I said, like, oh, let's check and see if quarterbacks shred the Falcons like rested. That won't happen. But you will see some defenders put up some ridiculous numbers against the Falcons because they are atrocious. I, I, as a loyal reader of The Athletic, there's been stories – all week long from beat writers across the country talking about games in front of little to no fans. It's a narrative everywhere. Every NFL team has it, but the narrative might be more pertinent to the Seattle Seahawks than any other team in the entire National Football League because their home field advantage is so profound. What do you expect this opener to be like for the Seahawks on Saturday? Um, I talked to some of the guys in charge of uh, fan engagement at CenturyLink Field, and it was I was actually kind of taken aback by how like serious they're taking, you know, maintaining the environment that CenturyLink Field has because they they're aware that uh, they're basically considered number one in the league, right? and that's not really a spot you want to give up, even if there is you know little to no fans. In this case, there is no fans. Um, like one of the VPs of like Game Day Ops, I, I think he spent five years working for the Chiefs who consider themselves probably number two, maybe behind New Orleans at number three. Uh, but basically he knows that, hey, we there's other teams who would want this spot, so we have to, like, uphold the standard. Um, and so they're doing stuff like uh, they're going to have high school football jerseys on the east end zone or on the uh, east side of the field with a big 12, a big white and blue 12 painted with, like, 112 uh, seats. Uh, they're gonna have they have like season ticket holder messages right there when the players get out of their cars. They got a big 55 inch screen for player uh, for fans to video chat players as they um, enter the tunnel. They're still raising the 12th man flag or the 12 flag um, before every game. DJ Super Sam will still be playing music at every game. Like they're still kind of committing to the pageantry of a Seahawks game, which is it's good. I don't know how much it'll matter. Obviously, I've never covered a professional football game with no fans, but the dedication to like trying to make it as like game day, like as possible is actually really admirable on their part. I thought Mike, you got to settle a debate for Coulter and I, Mike Dugar joining us, he covers the Seahawks for the athletic 12 for the 12s here. We do this every Friday. Coulter and I both know that the Seahawks are a good football team. 
I think Coulter levels off at, yes, they're a good football team. I'm prepared to say I expect the Seahawks to win the NFC West, which I think is the best division in all of the NFL, and they are legitimate Super Bowl contenders in my mind based on what I saw in week one and what I expect to see going forward. He says that they can't be that with the basically the offensive and defensive lines not being as strong as other teams, a lot of other teams. He's, I think he's right about that assessment, yet as a whole, as it sinks and swims, I think the Seahawks are an unbelievably good football team. Where are you at with this club and what their ceiling is? Well, I think being contenders uh, relative to the, top, to the competition. Um, so, like, a team in the AFC could consider themselves better than Seattle, right? Like, I'll, I'll pick a team. Um, let's say... Pittsburgh considered itself or Houston considered itself better than Seattle. Right. But it's really hard to argue that Pittsburgh or Houston is a contender, right? Because neither, neither one of them is better than the chiefs or the Ravens. So in Seattle being a contender, um, you're, you're allowed to have a, a few more like deficiencies. I think in the NFC, just because there is no clear number one or even number two uh, team in, in the conference, like who's the best team in the conference, New Orleans, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, San Francisco, maybe all their players are on IR, it feels like. Uh, Seattle, maybe. Um, so you've never really, you know, Green Bay, maybe. There's so many maybes, right? No one's definitive. So I think it's so wide open. And every team has a thing that's wrong with them, right? Like, I think it's a valid argument in Seattle. Well, the O-line's shaky and the D-line's not great. Well, okay, go, you know, pick apart New Orleans, right? Their quarterback can't throw downfield um, anymore. You go pick apart Green Bay, um their quarterback is probably not, you know, elite anymore. They have some elite players, but I don't know if they have, like, an elite defense. Uh, either their offensive weapons are pretty pretty lackluster outside of uh, Devontae. Uh, so, I mean, there's, you know, look at the Niners. Again, they're all beat up. Seattle's got its, its issues in the trenches. Every team has that thing, right? It's just a matter of do you have what it takes to overcome that thing. And so where I predict Seattle to be a contender is for two reasons. I think they'll have the best, the most efficient passing offense uh, in the in the conference. I really don't think it'll be that close, um, and I think they'll have the most efficient pass defense in the conference. And I think that'll be close. I think New Orleans uh, secondary is very good, and I think Tampa's secondary has potential to be good too. But I mean, those two elements I think are enough to put you in the contender conversation. Does it get you to a Super Bowl? I don't know, uh, but it's enough to put you in the conversation in my book. A lot of question marks, a lot of mystery surrounding Seattle's opponent this week, the New England Patriots. But I think one thing you can say is they do as well have one of the best secondaries in the NFL and one of the best defensive units from top to bottom in the league. Pretty much all the questions center upon the other side of the ball and just the dynamic of not having number 12 playing quarterback anymore. But number two start for Cam Newton in the post-Tom Brady era in Seattle. What's your take on this game? What's the feeling around the city with the Patriots coming to town? Uh, I think that the Patriots are probably the most hated team uh, in Seattle outside of the division. I would have to do a poll there. I'm sure Pittsburgh would rank very high as well. Uh, But uh, for my money, it's probably New England. Um, So I think there's just going to be a lot of just negative energy probably felt by the Patriots as soon as they land uh, here in Seattle, Uh, if they haven't already. Actually, they might have. Um, But I think the Seahawks should, should win. And I will say this about the Patriots. If I was a Patriots fan, which I couldn't be because I care about myself, but if I, if I was, <laughs> I would feel as if we upgraded at the quarterback. Yes, yes, I would, yes. Really, I, would, I would feel that way. I feel like that's – I would still be worried about the receivers being very bad because they are bad. 
I don't. I was on a Boston TV station this uh, this week, and the guy was trying to tell me how like underrated Julian Edelman was, and I was like, No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. And the playoff, <laughs> he turns into Jerry Rice. In the regular season, he's just a dude, right? He's never even made a Pro Bowl. Not easy it is to make a Pro Bowl. Like, he's, he's, he's never made one, right? Like, dude, you're you're not underrated. You're a little little shifty dude. You're good. You're great in the postseason. His numbers are ridiculous. If anyone listening now has not looked up Julian Edelman's postseason numbers, they're pretty ridiculous. Uh, but I think the Seahawks are probably the better team. I think they have the better quarterback. I think they have the better offense. They do not have the better secondary. Um, so that that's that's an issue. So it should be very close. I don't think they have the better coach either. Uh, so that obviously matters because football is largely a chess match. Uh, but I, I think the Seahawks should should come out on top on this one. I think it'll be close. I wrote today in the Athletic. I think twenty three to twenty. So for all my gamblers out there, I have the Patriots covering. Uh, so take uh, take for that what what it, what it is. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll be a good one. Well, Mike, we appreciate it every time that you're on with us. Uh, we wish you the best this week. Looking forward to catching up with you next week at Mike Dugar on Twitter and also Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Listen to that and read his stuff at The Athletic. It's outstanding. Nobody doing it better covering the Seattle Seahawks. Mike, thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Hey, I'm, I'm, Mike, I'm, I'm, my, my name is Dugar Mike on Instagram. I'm taking over. The oh, athletic. there we go. You stole the words right out of my day. mouth. I was going to say, plug the Instagram because I just saw that on my Twitter feed. So tell people one more time. You're taking over the Sunday Night Football Twitter feed or Instagram feed, excuse me. So tell people how they can follow you on Instagram. I ooh, I think our Instagram name at The Athletic is Athletic HQ. That is our Instagram handle. I'm taking over just as soon as I get out of my car. Uh, on Sunday night, so I'll probably try to get there around like three twenty ish. So yeah, follow follow me as well at Dugar Mike. But I'm taking over our Instagram page on the Athletic. It's at Athletic HQ. So come hang out with me uh, pregame. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely going to be in there on that. So Sunday's going to be a great day, man. I can't wait for it. I can't wait for this game. I think this is going to be such a huge learning game. We're going to find out a lot about both of these teams in this game one way or another. Mike, appreciate it. We'll catch you in uh, in a week. All right. Peace. Mike Dugar, boys and girls. 12 for the 12s. We do it every Friday around here. Learn something about the Seattle Seahawks. Love the way he, he, uh, he goes about it. And, uh, you know, that's why you talk to people who are beat writers, talk to people who are following a specific team because they know what's going on uh, when it comes to uh, to the teams they cover, and in this case, the Seattle Seahawks. Again, Sunday night, the game, uh, we will have the uh, pregame for you at 4 o'clock, kickoff at 6.20, standard on uh, the Sunday night football and uh, all the way through to the big post game and, and all of that uh, right here on ESPN Radio. The man-to-man podcast that Mike Dugar does is really good. It's a lot of he shares a lot of the same takes with us here on the show, which I appreciate mm-hmm. so much from him. But his most recent episode, if anybody that follows The Ringer, they have a couple new positions where guys are analyzing sports and pop culture. They have a new position of a guy that's analyzing just American culture in general, specifically when it comes to race and society and its overlay with sports. His name's Tyler R. Tynes. He's excellent. He was on Mike Dugar's podcast this week, and they discussed basically the concept of all that's being put on particularly African-American male athletes in America today and the impetus of that conversation. I guess the, 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 um, the question that they're asking is, is it too much? Is mm. the pressure too great? Is this too much responsibility to, to expect out of young men who have jobs that give them a great platform, but also 
they're not politicians. They're community members, certainly, but is it too much? And it's a great and fascinating and very, very important conversation as well. So go check out Man to Man Podcast in addition to The Athletic. Fantastic. Take a quick break on the other side. The games of the week around the state at the high school level. We're going to run through those real quick with you right after this. And at the top of the hour, all three Missoula AA football coaches with us once again this week. Next. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Went long with Mike Dugar, so we're going to rifle through these quickly, but wanted to go through just the matchups because there's some great ones around the state of Montana at the high school level this Friday night. Class AA level, Big Sky is at Helena High. Well, Sentinel is hosting Helena Capital. Hellgate Knights going up the uh, Flathead Valley to take on Kalispell Flathead, but Coulter at Class A, down the Bitterroot. Maybe the matchup of the weekend. Two undefeateds, two top five teams. In fact, top three ranked teams uh, in the state. The Hamilton Bronx, 116 points in two weeks. Unbelievable play. And Dylan, they scored 47 a week ago. They're both undefeated. That is a great match. It's always a great matchup, Hamilton versus Dylan. But this year in particular, uh, probably probably the game of the weekend in the state of Montana. Hamilton scored 49 points in 17 minutes last week. It's a lot. And it doesn't I mean, even matter what the mismatch is. I know that Stevenson yeah. and Corvallis are both down, yeah. but just the fact to even have that many possessions, like that's it's just astounding. <laughs> I mean, to it be is. up 49 yeah. nothing and get to a running clock before it's even halfway through the second quarter is like almost incomprehensible. Yeah, it was. It's a uh, it's incredible explosiveness, but also just a lot, lot of offense. A yeah. lot of things going on there. But of the of the top teams in Class A so far, as we know, the Eastern A did not start until last week. Miles City and Laurel both came out of the gates screaming. They both hammered uh, their opponents in their openers. But uh, Hamilton, they had their opening game against Butte Central canceled, so they're 3-0, and but they've only played two games against their mm-hmm. inner Bitterroot Valley uh, foes, rivals. But Dylan has the best win of any Class A team this year. They beat Frenchtown. We both think Frenchtown's top five, six. Really good, yeah. And I think that there's a chance. And that was a great game, by the way. There's a chance for the Southwestern A once again to have three of the top five teams in the state. Uh, We saw last year uh, three teams from Southwestern A made to the Elite Eight of the Class A playoffs. That's about as good as you're going to do considering sometimes you're going to run into each other. You're never going to really have more than three in the final eight and more than two in the final four. And that's what they had last year, and that's amazing. So, uh, but Dylan, they beat Frenchtown early and then they've been laying it on people the last couple weeks but I'm really interested to see what this game is all about because I think that although Hamilton's actually ranked ahead of Dylan I think Hamilton has more to prove in this game Dylan's already proven it by beating Frenchtown and Dylan Hamilton is in this recent resurgence of returning to power whereas Dylan just seems to emerge with another kid with the same last name whether it's whether it's Nordhall or (laughs) Ferris or or in this case Fitzgerald there's just all these long-time families in Dylan that just have so many great athletes, and Jace Fitzgerald leading the way this year for Dylan. But I think this is I, I think that the, the winner of this game, 
obviously. I think we will vote number one in our poll next week. Uh, the other game uh, that I'm really excited about, and that is in Class B with Florence going to Big Four. Florence is 2-1. and one. They laid it on uh, Anaconda last week, and they are uh, they, the, their one loss, though, to Manhattan, who's number two in the state in overtime. So Florence is, is really up very strong this year, and, and Big Four traditionally, right, a, re- a really good Class B football team. It's going to be a great matchup. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this game goes. I think Florence, if they win this game, they establish themselves as one of the teams to beat in the state of Montana. No question. Uh, this is going to be the matchup of the two most athletic teams mm. in Class B. I think that Manhattan has always been, I mean, Manhattan's a ranch in town, man. They're always going to have tough cowboy kids. That's what they got. Manhattan always has those type of kids. And Eureka, they're tough, built on toughness too. And but I think that these two teams, these two teams have guys with speed, athleticism. I think Blake Shoup, the kid from Florence, who's a junior, I think he's a kid that's a rising star in the state of Montana. Definitely one of the best two-way athletes in the state, any level. So that's going to be a fun one. And then the other fun one I think could be really uh, interesting to see in terms of scoreboard operation is Flint Creek versus Clark Fork. That's the drummond Phillipsburg co-op versus the Alberton-Superior co-op. Clark Fork scored 74 last week and still only score, still only won by a touchdown. Mm. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. And, but then also Drummond, I was talking to Cade Cutler the other night, Drummond's best player. He's going to Montana State, and uh, I was just asking him a couple questions about some statistical things. And uh, he was saying, I, I was asking about his personal stats, and he's like, yeah, he sent me his stat sheet. He said, just remember, I've only played about two quarters worth of football so far this year because we've just been getting out on House everybody. People. I mean, yeah. they, be, they, they scored 58 on answer down St. Ignatius. So you're talking about two teams that can absolutely score the ball. That'll be a fun game in, in eight-man as well. Uh, okay, very good. Uh, by the way, Florence, Principal Scott Marsh, shout out. There you go. Hour one in the books, hour two straight ahead. We continue high school football. We talk to the three double-A high school football coaches in the city of Missoula. You'll hear from them right after this. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. The weather is perfect. Get outside, enjoy a little bit cooler temperatures, but the beautiful late summer, early fall that is western Montana and the state of Montana at large. So go to Kurtz Polaris. They have dirt bikes beta and husqvarna dirt bikes the best in the industry two-wheel variety get out there ride around enjoy yourself they also have all of the side-by-sides you could ever need whether you want to go fast performance-based with the razor whether you got work to get done with the ranger or you want to take the whole crew out for a big ride and experience the outdoors the off-roads in montana you get yourself the general and you're on your way You can also get yourself a brand new pontoon boat while you're at it. Why not? Load up the whole toy hauler and have yourself a wife in Montana, man. Crest pontoon boats, that's the way to go. Whatever the season, experience it the way you always envisioned with Kurtz Polaris. Online at KurtzPolaris.com. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org. Or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold. Or visit online anytime, anywhere, MSU Bookstore. Dot org MSU Bookstore, 
your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.